listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Hello and welcome back to the Atomic Geeks podcast. My name is Michael DiGiovanni and I'm in the captain's chair this week. This is episode 121. I'm in Toronto and once again I'm podcasting under the influence because I'm having me a giant bottle of Rogue Brutal IPA. Now let's see what other feral mutants are with me. Well, hello Michael and hello everyone else. It's Andrew Bloom calling in from London. I've just been abducted by Colonel Stryker and I'm... Uh, enjoying a tall uh, can of Shock Top Belgian White Beer. Oh, hello, Internet. It's your pal Christian from the town of Oakville, and I'm in my basement combing my sideburns, drinking a cold bottle of one of my favorites, Bohemian Lager. Bohemian Lager, gold medals for excellent. I like to call it Bo. I thought there was something coming after the bow. Uh, Mike Downs here, finally back in Nova Scotia, uh, back in my house. Uh, and tonight I am celebrating by drinking a Nova Scotia only Alexander Keith Ambrosia Blonde. I like blondes and I like them to have Ambrosia. Even though I have no idea what that means. <laughs> what the fuck that is. It's something well, of the gods, though, I think. So. I believe so, yes. Well, Downs, congratulations on the move back east. Ontario smells better already. Oh, fuck you, pal. <laughs> um, so the move went well, obviously. Yes, I mean, it was always stressful, but you know, it's, we're here, we're back, we're mostly in an empty house. Uh, I'm actually sitting on lawn chairs in the kitchen. <laughs> which always, is, re- always recording from some weird spot. Yeah, yeah, I'm on top like, of my neighbor's house with uh, tinfoil on my head, wearing army boots. Well, yeah, I'm inside a giant cannon waiting to be shot out. I haven't done that one yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the way it happens to go sometimes, I suppose. You know, it's things still up in the air a bit, but it's nice to be home. Uh, that's for sure. It's been a long, uh, tough year, and so it's good to be home and enjoying the East Coast weather. Summer has finally arrived in Nova Scotia. Well, thank so, God to the power of the Internet that we can continue to talk to you uh, for the Atomic Geeks podcast. Yeah, thanks, God. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just saying God has something to do with podcasting, Christian? Well, maybe this one. (laughs) He brought us the Internet. That's some God. (laughs) Some God. Some God. A couple uh, things, uh, house cleaning items, let's say, before we get into our regular format of our show. Uh, Just wanted to throw a couple plugs to some things. Hopefully all of you got the chance to watch our latest video cast, and that was when we went to the Session Beer Fest in Toronto. That is available now on iTunes, and if you go over to our Atomic Geeks channel on YouTube, that's www.youtube.com slash theatomicgeeks. It's that simple. Uh, go ahead on over to the forums and let us know your thoughts on that. And the other thing is, too, I just wanted to uh, do another plug for something that a fan of the show did that was extra cool that we I wanted to mention on the show here. Jeeg from nerdlunch.net actually uh, did tabulated how many times we said the word boner in our last audio episode, episode 120. <laughs> this is a pretty thorough analysis. It includes charts and all sorts of shit, breaking it out by how many times each of the four of us said boner. I believe there is a boner per minute ratio. and <laughs> That's the one's the best. Yeah. I won that one. Yes. 
Christian uh, had the most boners in a minute. What the? Uh, so it, it's we want That's to thank you. Said yeah. We want to thank you, Jig, first of all for doing that exercise. Good God. Uh, but also for posting it in our forums, go over and take a look at it. It's uh, it's pretty detailed and very, very cool. But enough about this sort of junk. Let's talk about some geek news. Geek news. Geek news. All right. Who's got some? I have some news of the geeky type variety. Um, I guess this uh, falls in kind of my general area, technology or web stuff. Most of the time, I suppose, is what I talk about on this thing or where I do stuff. Um, so the social networks, have you heard about? There's a new one um, to rival Facebook. Google has come out with Google+. Plus. Uh, invites are out. Uh, I would think probably most of the guys on this podcast probably have one and uh, anybody who's plugged in. But, uh, guys, do you have that yet? Are you Have you joined up? Well, I got an invite uh, a couple times. I saw those go through, and I thought they were those, like, fucking LinkedIn at emails that you always get that I tend to sometimes delete. But then uh, when Downs, you actually mentioned this to us, I noticed that I got one. And I went and signed up today, but I have to be honest, I don't really know how this shit works yet. <laughs> Is it? Is that how you get in when they give you the invite to join it? Yeah, yeah. Like, so I, like, like a lot of stuff with Google, uh, you know, and for anyone who doesn't know this, you know, their stuff is, is always a beta first. And uh, it's a big deal that they, they make a, a rush for those of us, especially me, the guy like me in the technology world, to get in on it fast. And so you have to get invited. That's always the way. It's the way Gmail first started, a lot of things that they roll, now roll out. And so you have to get invited into this, what they call a public beta. That's, oh, I, but like I, I got invited by people, like by you yeah. and I think CT. Yeah, and so and, and so the same thing would happen with Gmail. Is when you got into Gmail, you would get to invite maybe one person, and they limited how often you can invite people, and that's exactly how they do it well, here. Okay, but if you have a Gmail account, can't you, I just went on and signed up? Like I was, I went on, I was on my iPhone at work, went and clicked on it, went to uh, Google Plus, or just put it in the actual into Google, and then just signed in using my Gmail account and. Bob's your uncle. Well, it's a probably a pretty freaking fair point. Is that um, I mean, anyone who probably has a Gmail account could probably just sign up to this because it's it's one of their products, anyways. But, yeah, yeah. but I took a look at it last night on my iPad, and yeah, using obviously my Gmail account and blah 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 blah. And I saw those circles and circles for photos and places with circles, and I just said. This is going to be some learning experience, I think. Uh, interesting. I haven't checked it out on the fucking iPad yet. That's brilliant. I mean, uh, that's a good point. I haven't done that yet. But uh, wait, anybody else saw it before? I don't want to talk too much about what I think about it because I'll probably detail it a little bit. But Well, my biggest thing is I feel like uh, this conversation captured here now is going to sound really ridiculous maybe in six months when we're all using it. But it's that thing when you're early adopters, when I'm sure when people first went to Twitter and they're like, what the hell is this? Exactly. I kind of looked at I looked at it and went, OK, the way I'm from what I understanding it is you can compartmentalize your friends. You can put them in little social circles and things like that. I I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't had really given it much of a chance yet and i so i haven't really dug around on it so i'm more interested to hear how it actually works like could you keep your atomic geeks shit in one circle and then they can only see stuff on that one and keep them totally away from the, the family business crap that i don't want anybody to be you know dealing with yeah ex exactly that's ex the, one of the the main feature of this so far that i've uh you know uh 
in, in checked out is the ability that you can now compartmentalize, as you said, DJ, your friends and family. I now have industry, industry peeps, uh, you know, a list of people. This lets you, without these people knowing it and, and you to be only, you know, to share specific information with specific people. That's something that Facebook severely lacks and the privacy they're in that it, that Facebook just can't allow. I mean, they might get here one day, but that's definitely the strongest thing that I see so far on Google+. The thing I don't understand is really, and this is a sort of a, a bigger question, is yes, Google pretty much wants to take over the world. We got, we get that. But why do we need another social network? Like honestly, like they, they, can it be good enough that Facebook already has that cornered? Why does Google now have to say, no, now we're going to do this. And yeah, what- you know what? That's exactly the great question. But the same reason is that why Facebook is doing fucking Facebook money now because they want to own every part of your life. So Google is like, well, we got your fucking email. So why don't you come with us and do your social network with us and fuck Facebook? Mm-hmm. And I think another strength strength that they have is that people might be going, you know what? I fucked up on Facebook and let all these creepy people into my life who I really don't want to fucking be with anymore. So it might be the time to kick Facebook to the curb and jump on Google Plus now and really start fresh and manage my social network in a, in a, in a really smart and, and brilliant way, and which is what seems what they've, they're trying to facilitate doing. I think to yeah. do it right, like you're, like you're saying, this might be the fact that people go, okay, I tried out MySpace for the Americans. Then I went on to Facebook, and now I've got an opportunity. Now that I know how this works, I can start from the ground level correctly and do it right. Now, like I said before, I have spent literally 34 seconds on this. I looked at it and went, okay, neat. I, I don't get it. And, and I'm sure it's not very tough to grasp, but you'll need to spend a bit of time adjusting to it probably. Yeah, I like the whole car- compartmentalizing aspect of it. It's pretty neat. I mean, uh, there have been, like, uh, you know, fans of the podcast who've sent me emails via Facebook, uh, saying, hey, uh, want to be my friend? And of course, I do want to be your friend, but I just don't want you subject you to all my friggin' family bullshit. Nobody has to friggin' deal with that. So this kind of Google Plus actually makes it a bit more, you know, easier. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great point because recently, uh, you know, we had, you know, we were going through some shit recently and my wife had to, she had unfriended a bunch of people and then was contact, and I actually got contacted by someone who said, why did your wife unfriend my wife? And it was like, well, because in fact, you know, she was doing a lot of personal stuff there on Facebook to share with her family, which she needed to do, you know, and you, you, you can't divide that up, you know what I mean? And say, you know, I want to have a really kind of private conversation over here and over here, I want to, you know, show, uh, you know, pictures of my kids to anyone who want to see them. Yeah, but th- this is not going to replace Facebook. Facebook has a uh, a ten mile lead on this. I, I understand the benefits, and that is kind of cool. So you can look for the Atomic Geeks on Google Plus quite soon. Oh boy! Uh, but I think this is really perfect. Who this Google Plus sounds is for anyone with an alter ego. Ultimately, because then you because now you can manage your different personalities in essence uh, on Google Plus without them sort of bleeding into one another. So well, Batman well, can have his own uh, <laughs> Google Plus, and Bruce Wayne can have his own. <laughs> but if you think about well, this, is pretty smart because now what they've got is like, and it, when you realize when they start uh, offering suggestions to you, because of your because they own your email. They have all of your LinkedIn contacts, so suddenly they could almost start to replace LinkedIn a little bit because all the reaching out that you need to do has been done already. So with Facebook, you, you've already contacted all those friends, and if any of those friends are good enough, 
You've got their email address, and Gmail probably has that. Or if not, you can get their email and invite them to Google Plus now. You know what I mean? And so I, I, I really think that they're at the, they have a really fucking unique thing here that they have the corner on is there is your email. And I think that that's really plays a part of who you are now. And therefore, LinkedIn, all your LinkedIn contacts, all my people who are on LinkedIn came up here as people I should add on here because they're, they're already associated in so many levels now because of email anyways. You know what I'm saying? Now, can you change the colors of the circles, and do they get bigger? Uh, I, I don't know, but I got to tell you. Hold on, Christian. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the the uh, whole interface, if you, when you actually get to the circles interface, unfortunately, it's really not that important to the overall app, right? All you do is you drag people to circles, whip the shit, right? But that is an, an amazing little widget from like a usability guy standpoint, right? Like this is completely useful and so cool, even though it really has nothing to do with the overall aspect of it's a, it's an illustration of, of a basic principle, but you don't use it every day. You know what I mean? Your, your stream is what you would use just like it would be in Twitter or uh, Facebook or whatever. Can you change them into squares? <laughs> That'll be in version two, Christian. Remember, this is still in beta, but you know, I'm down to Downs was mentioning something that is sounds cool, but then turns out to be not very useful. So I think that's a perfect segue for our topic tonight. Uh, think about that. That'll make sense in a, in just a couple moments. Um, so the topic for tonight, uh, is one of the ones that we have done quite a few times. In fact, it's one of our using air quotes franchise topics. It's time for another movie redo. So let's jump into it. Wolverine is arguably one of Marvel Comics and all of comic books' most popular characters since bursting on the scene in 1974. After appearances in countless media, including cartoons, Wolvie finally came to life in Brian Singer's X-Men film in the year 2000. The character was one of the highlights of the movie and made actor Hugh Jackman a star. Thanks to the success of the film and its two sequels, Wolvie fans rejoiced as the everyone's favorite mutant got his own movie. In 2009, we saw the release of X-Men Origins Wolverine, a full-blown solo adventure starring Jackman. But no matter the level of his popularity and the strength of his healing factor, nothing could save Logan from this turd. So... It's a redo. That's right. The Atomic Geeks are redoing X-Men Origins Wolverine. We are going to be correcting all of the faults of this film. We're going to make suggestions and ways to improve the solo Wolverine movie. Okay, guys, so we've done this a few times, so we know the format. So let's dive right into this. So as a quick starter, just uh, I really want to get this out before we get into the meat and potatoes of this. I'm going to go around the circle, and you guys let me know whether you liked or disliked this movie. Mike Downs. Disliked this movie. Andrew. Um, I'm going to say disliked, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. And Christian. I liked the first half. That's a good way to put it. I'm going to agree okay. with Christian. That sounds like mixed results. So we have, I, I, I'm, I am, uh, mixed and on, definitely on downs where I did not like this. According to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Wolverine got 37%. So mixed and disliking seems to be the consensus on this son bitch. So we have, let's say we have the shooting script in front of us 
and now we're going to pull this thing apart. What I want to do is get uh, everyone's thoughts on the one major flaw that they think that this movie suffers from. There could be a lot, but what you think is the biggest one. So, uh, Downs, in your opinion, what is that for X-Men Origins Wolverine? Uh, okay, I think the uh, story with the brotherhood between Sabretooth and Wolverine, and ultimately, I don't, I don't know if it's that itself or how it comes across, and the wishy-wash, especially in the end, um, I just think that ruins and otherwise what there are some okay moments in this movie, and I think that's the fatal, fatal flaw. So the fatal flaw to you is the relationship between Victor Creed and Wolverine. And, and, and partly how it was portrayed. Um, if that was Taylor Maine in a different version of uh, Sabretooth, maybe, but not, not the way it came across and not what they did with it. You know what I mean? It, it just, I, so, you know, I, Weapon X, uh, like that. And, you know, that could have been differently done. But uh, yeah, I just didn't really, I don't really like, I don't think that worked out. Now, to you, now, is this a slam against the, the portrayal of the character by Lee Schreiber? Uh, I can't believe we're actually, <laughs> that name has come back to this podcast. I think it's been a year and a half. Uh, but is that it, or are you saying more of the, dy- the sort of relationship that they, the two characters have? You know, uh, you know, the war stuff in the beginning, uh, you know, I, I don't like, and then... Uh, oh, I like that stuff. And, you know, even, ah, you know, it... I just, it wasn't the Wolverine I wanted to see. I, I think, I think back to, to what you said, the X-Men, the first movie, when we see him up in Northern Canada, you know, and kicking ass, that, um, I, I, you could have done a military story. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to talk a lot, but you could have done his history up to, um, you know, Weapon X. I think that was all good. And the way they let, they ended it, I thought the act that it leads up into the first X-Men movie that he, he loses his memory, that was fine. And, and Hugh Jackman is great as Wolverine. I don't like Leif Schreiber and it, it wasn't the saber tooth that I expected to see, um, for sure. I didn't like that. Okay. So you, and, yours is- oh, sorry, sorry. And, and again, in the end, you know, okay, he's his enemy, saves him, they fight and goes off. That's just, you know, I don't know. I didn't, didn't don't like that. Okay, so yours is the portrayal by uh, the actor and the way that they played the two characters against each other. And I'm sure this is going to come up as we continue uh, to dig deep into this. So, Bloom, uh, what, what's your big flaw of this movie? Well, there are a few things, and I agree with Downs on a couple, a couple areas. But just to keep it quick, uh, if I was to sum it up, I would say they try to do too much or they have too many minor characters that we don't care about that get in the way if they Uh, could trim this down to its bare roots it's a pretty decent story that just gets bunged up by trying to answer all the questions about all the stupid sub characters that i don't care about you know andrew and i'm gonna just uh, jump in here because i think what you're getting at it sounds a lot like what my major flaw is and i would say that is the screenplay to this movie, not the story. That's the difference. I think the idea of going back to seeing uh, the Weapon X, and I know Downs uh, talked about this, the Weapon X creation, who he was, how he got the adamantium put on, laced on his bones, all of that. In theory, that's a pretty good story. That's a good, sp- that's a good origin story for Wolverine. I think the screenplay messed that up. So, Christian, what is your major flaw? Are you agreeing with uh, uh, the three of us? Is it like yeah, I, I understand? I understand. 
I understand where, where uh, both the fellows are coming from. Um, I mean, as far as the, the beginning story, the origin and so on, I, I've never been a big fan of, you know, the comic book origin. I never thought that Wolverine's uh, origin should ever been ever been revealed. It should have been mm. kept a mystery forever. But regardless, they did that. But uh, I, I, liked, I liked the whole part of them going through the credits and different wars and all that. But anyway, but the things I did not like, the thing I did not like about this movie was uh, the major villain itself was Stryker. Uh, I find that they, they needed to streamline what the fuck this guy exactly wanted to do and how he was really a villain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. And so, like, just to, just to go back, I mean, and not to, you know, I don't want to say that this is it, but, you know, I think that, you know, the whole mercenary, uh, you know, uh, leaving the team, like you said, DJ, and then, you know, being forced to go back to the team, uh, and then, being made into Weapon X, I think that all works. Uh, you know, take away fucking up Deadpool. You know what I mean? And and fuck and take away the saber tooth crap. And it, it would. And again, maybe they were trying to wait, do way too much. But yeah. you know, that that would have been a simpler movie. I would have taken away. I would have. And, and not sorry, DJ, but I would have kept Sabretooth, And I think Leave Schreiber, Live Schreibler, is okay. He's serviceable uh, as Sabretooth. But the rest of the crap, like you're saying, the, the all the the, um, uh, like uh, fuck, hold on, all the other characters that they have to deal with, like Gambit number one, uh, and then uh, Blob and all those other guys, we don't need to see them again. I didn't mind it, and like Christian was saying, there's a there's a little bit of cheese, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But like I was saying, it's these sub characters that they feel the need to go back to them for no real reason that just mucky muddles up the water a little bit to keep it from being what I think could have been a pretty decent film in the right hands. No, and Andrew, I am in complete agreement with you. I thought I hated that boxing scene between the Blob and Wolverine. That was so goddamn pointless. Gambit really served no purpose. That was a fanboy moment where it was like, oh, Wolvie has to get a little bit of information off somebody. Let's make it be Remy LeBeau. And yeah, yeah, he gets information off Remy LeBeau and the dumbest member of Weapon X team, for crying out loud. No one else knows anything except for Blob. Yeah, and why the fuck is Will I Am in this movie? That guy fucking sucks ass. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, realistically, the idea of putting Weapon X in this, great. The execution of it, awful. Let's, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, the Lee Schreiber. Let's start with him because I'm going to go back to Downs's uh, thought on uh, having uh, Victor Creed in it or Sabretooth. Poor uh, Taylor Maine, unfortunately, did not get the chance to do this. He, according to the trivia on this movie, uh, he he had talked to the studio about it, but they wanted a younger actor. The Lee Schreiber is who they went with. But Carl Urban and Gerard Butler were also considered for the part of Sabretooth. I got to tell you, I think both of those options would have been better. It's just, you know, Sabretooth to me uh, was was just always, you know, was bigger and broader. And and that's what he had over Wolverine. You know what I mean? Was he, he dwarfed him. You know what I mean? Like that was what, you know, that's why you could believe that someone could stand up to Wolverine like like Sabretooth because he had it in that one spot that Wolvie doesn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, the, the character Victor Creed in this did, at one point they showed him sort of servicing as a better fighter. He seemed a little more technical as a fighter and stuff, but then 
later in the movie, like 10 minutes later, he's not fighting as well. And he's like, uh, get, you're getting slow, old man. But I don't like that. Like you're saying, like, leave Schreiber, I think, fine. He, he kind of looks like him. They played brothers. It's not ridiculous, but he isn't big enough, like you're saying. They, they, they could have taken the guy who played Blob and made him his older brother, although his teeth would have gotten in the way. Like, he... He definitely needed to be a more muscular actor, so he didn't have to wear three coats all the time. Well, according to also, the studio apparently wanted Lee Schreiber to be fitted in sort of like a muscle outfit to make him look bigger. And he said, no, 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 I'll bulk up. Uh, let me work out. Give me three months. Uh, so I don't think he was very successful. The studio was aware <laughs> of the problem that he needed to be bigger. I don't think he got big enough. Well, my only suggestion, whoever, I mean, I didn't mind Leif Schreiber that much. I mean, he could have been bigger. Yeah, that would have been an improvement. But uh, the only way to improve that fucking character in this movie is, A, I fucking hate it when he runs like a dog. You know what I mean? He just looks stupid. I I can't think, I keep thinking of that bulldog from Tom and Jerry cartoons, for Christ's sakes. Here he comes, you know? And second of all, could they stop? Every single fight between Wolverine and Sabretooth by running at each other and screaming oh for Christ's sakes. Yeah, I mean, I mean not, not just one fight's okay, but not every single fucking fight. Jesus. Well, it, was, I, it was the same fuck every time. That's right. Was they, like, no, that was the fucking fight scene. They, I, I counted this when I watched this for the second time. I believe Wolvie and him fought three or four times. Or four, I think it's four times. Yes. Yeah, and... And every time, to Christian's point, they were they were across the room from one another. I Hugh Jackman had to yell Victor like about like a million times in this goddamn movie. Like there's too uh, much th- yelling. Yeah, there was way too much yelling. And, that's, and, and that gets to the point, DJ, where, where I, you're probably going. And I, I don't want to jump ahead, but this is where the lack of imagination in I'm guessing the director. Uh, uh, it shows he he does so many of the old cliche things. Two times people are on their knees screaming at the sky. Three or four times people are running at each other, and everybody has to fight in this movie. You know they do the walking away slowly with the explosion. He's doing so many of the old cliches that it's it's it, they're terrible now. When we've talked about this a hundred times, it just lacks imagination. Yeah, there's this movie is riddled with tropes like that. Oh. What you just mentioned, and whether that is the fault of the screenplay or the director, let's. It's probably a little bit of both, but it's it's dumbed down. It's using all of those stupid tricks with that are just like mindless. Okay, I, I don't want us to move off Wolverine. Uh, if we're if we're keeping Sabretooth, then we got to do his character some justice because some other things that bothered me about his character in this movie, and uh, to talk to your screenplay point, is that you know why in the fuck is Sabretooth ever going to agree to stage fake killing a chick? I never fucking believed that this character would do that. And, you know, like the whole fucking wishy-washness, like of the way that, that the, the whole story of the him, like, you know, Wolverine challenges him, and that's it. You know, he goes to rape a woman, and his brother challenges him, and it's like, nope, that's where I draw the line, get out, we're going to kill you. And, like, that, it just... The, the story here doesn't make any sense between him and his brother, which is, you know, you, you take you you take away leave Schreiber, even if we had Taylor Maine, I still don't like the way they treated... Sabretooth in this movie. If he's still going to be a character in it, I think this, his story shouldn't be so convoluted in the screw over of Wolverine, if you understand what well, I'm saying. And not even just that, yeah, the motivation for the screw over is weak. 
But was that not the the easiest resolution ever? They at the end of the film, it's just like, All yeah, right. let's fight together on uh, against Deadpool. Back now to back. Fine. That was that was fucking ridiculous. Like that's what I mean. Like that's mm. why to me that that ruined Sabretooth for this whole movie for me because there was really aside from fucking up his brother's life. You know what I mean? What was this guy like Loki? You know what I mean? Like, but what, why why is why is Wolverine putting up with this? Like I. I, I, I Besides the fact, what does this say about Wolverine, for Christ's sakes? The guy's, what, uh, over a 100 years old or whatever, and he can't figure out that a chick's got freaking blood paint on her, for crying yeah, out loud? Right. I, like, I know, like, I'm like, sure he's seen a lot of dead people before. I mean, there's probably a certain scent, maybe, or something, but his own fucking girlfriend? Well, blood on her, she must be dead. Those are no pulse. Yeah, like, isn't he got mutant powers like that? Like, I mean, isn't he got the the, the power of scent? That's I mean, right. for Christ's sakes. Hearing and all that shit, yeah. Yeah, like... Uh, because that's a whole other issue, a whole other issue here. Because Wolvie is a friggin' sucker in this movie, especially with that girl. How that that girl's basically her, she's screwed him over for God knows how long that they've been together. But they're bunked up in fucking Canada or Alaska, wherever they are, and the. And he's living with her and they love each other. He finds out that she was all, this was all a ruse that she was working for Stryker and them. And then at the end of the movie, he's, uh, he's fine with it. He yeah. just was, he's, oh, oh, okay. Well, I, I get that. I love you. I mean, are you well, an I mean, idiot? Uh, Stryker, I mean, she did kind of explain that he's got my sister. Okay. So she was held against her will to do it. Still, there, it was just, it wasn't really needed. Like it was well, just. Kind of well, stupid. It was if for it to be pivotal in a Wolverine movie, Wolvie should have had a girlfriend and she should have been killed. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And let him go off. This fucking this twist at the end where she's still alive, that was hackneyed. Yeah, yeah. Like to go back to the story, I guess, where it, you know, the, at the root of this thing, they they chumped out the main characters of this movie quite significantly you know what i mean like when the fuck is Sabretooth not going to kill somebody and when the fuck is a guy like wolverine not going to know that his fucking girlfriend isn't fucking uh you know been killed and they, they totally they, they they didn't do a good job of bringing these characters to life whether what even decide from what they look like or not and so. not to mention wolverine would have been fired like eight times from his job everyone thought he would have been the worst uh lumberjack ever because here he is every single day striker shows up Talks to him. He leaves in the middle of the day. They're like, uh, well, uh, Logan, you got like eight hours left in your day. You just got here. And then he's cutting down trees, smells the air. I smell dead. And like from I don't know how long. And then goes running off in the right direction to find his girlfriend. His friends working with him must have been like, oh, there goes Logan again running off into the woods. No, but Andrew, you're totally right. But that actually brings up, that exposes the major flaw of that, uh, that fake death. Wolvie, I guess, smelt that Victor was near. I think that was what he we were supposed the, to He smelled the killed Wolverine, which, you know, oh, there's symbolism. Killed Wolverine, which was sort of right close to him. What obviously shows that uh, his brother was close by. So, yeah, he smells that, but then is able to run in the right direction. Of That's his what brain. I mean. I think he scented his he knew where his brother was is the point. So yeah. how the fuck could he have not identified this woman that he's lived with and is in love with that she's dead? Like, that was just a complete... Like, like how good of an actress is this to fucking fool Wolverine? She's holding her breath for a pretty well, goddamn long but, oh, time. Did, but remember, they, they though, she... Explain it. They gave her that medication that slows her heart rate to such a point where it's almost stopped. 
So but that, also, she's a she's fine. a mutant with a she's a mutant right. with the power of persuasion as well. That's well, what would have worked a lot better. Still, you chump out fucking powers. you're chumping out Wolverine at the end of the fucking day. Yeah, but the worst part is, as the only reason to keep her alive at the end of the movie is that they can pull out that freaking hackneyed fucking end storyline as well with the fucking mutants in cages. Yeah, and that was unnecessary. That that goes back to uh, with Andrew's point at the beginning where this film has way too many characters. I think uh, Sabretooth needs to be in this movie from a, you know, it's Wolverine's arch nemesis, but he needs to be portrayed better. Uh, let's get into some of these other characters because this was uh, Andrew's major uh, fault of it is there's just too much going on. We've touched on this a bit. Do we need the blob guys? Do we need Gambit for our reworked screenplay? Are these characters out? Well, we need the blob. I, I think the whole Weapon X team, which that whole sequence where we attacked that guy in the building, was pretty damn cool. That's good. And I agree with Andrew. After that, we don't need to see those fuckers again. Well, then that, that begs the question, though. A lot of times, I think, if you're watching a film, and, and I agree with you, Christian, I think uh, it was very cool, and they were not bad, and you got to see, wow, these guys, other people are really good fighters, too. And it's good that when, when he quits the team, and so you kind of understand the problem his brother has with him but then later on if you weren't if you didn't include them again i would i'd fear that people would go what happened to that team why is that team not around but you could have explained that away with they're all dead but you no but no but here's what you do you keep the team the whole idea of a mutant team in the beginning is totally cool i love that actually you know what i mean but what you do is in a fucking classic Kill Bill sense, you have Wolverine fight his way through the team to fucking get back to the fucking top. I'm sorry if that is fucking cliche, but that's the story you tell. He's got that's to a work hell of his a lot way. better cliche, yeah. He, but it, it, it might be like, it's not a cliche, it's a fucking format to still tell a revenge story. You know what I mean? Or, you know, to, and so what you do here is you start the movie out or whatever. The whole movie should start with his girlfriend getting killed, maybe, you know what I mean? And, and maybe something happens to him. He works his way up to the ranks to fucking kill everybody he finally gets to a buddy at the top and gets you know converted into fucking wolverine and then gets shot or something but i think See, you, you got to have him work his way up to get to the top of the fucking chain i disagree a little bit like i like him i i understand your point and i love those the fight movies like that so no i'm not excluding it or poo-pooing on the idea but the main point of this movie i think is to generate the hatred between um, him and his brother and how they get broken apart because they are brothers, right? Like they spent a hundred years fighting back to back and Stryker is the, um, you know, the, the nail that drives between the two of them. The, the point is, is like there should be Stryker tricking Wolverine into getting the adamantium, but the whole point to the, the story should be just him and Victor and, and their fight. Uh, with each other, and then ultimately it turns out that Stryker is the mastermind behind it. But those other characters, they could maybe, maybe, like you're saying, play small parts in it, but I just don't think we need to clutter it up with them. Well, the the cluttering is the unnecessary, like Gambit was did not need to be there. To Christian's point, Absolutely not. I, I don't think you needed the, the, the prison cells full of other fucking mutants and goddamn cyclops like he did not need to be in this like that was so dumb and 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 out of context for this like he didn't need to be in this 
story. I, I'm kind of digging this Kill Bill style revenge story because this is a muddled, poorly executed revenge movie uh, that gets screwed up with the reveal of the woman still being alive. I, I, I like the idea of uh, Wolvie having to go through maybe two or three of his former members, then getting to Stryker, and then at that point, maybe, maybe Sabretooth is the last uh, exactly. big boss, if you will, for, yeah. uh, from a video mm-hmm. game sort of uh, mentality. Yeah. And, and that's what I noticed with this movie that it started going to rat shit was once they included once I saw Cyclops and the whole thing where all of a sudden there's Sabretooth knocking on the window Cyclops who the fuck are you but I'm going to run anyway because you know you look pretty bad you know it's like that's when everything fell apart after that yeah so uh, but to get back on the story we're building though I think we have an idea here what happens is I think that when uh, Wolvie finally gets to what's his face what's the colonel's name Striker Striker Striker. You know, he's about to kill Stryker, and Stryker tells him that, you know, Sabretooth has gone crazy. He's taken some fucking serum or something, right? And he's, he's gone, he's bulked up crazy. And he's like, I have a way to fucking help you get him back. It's this experimental fucking thing. And that's when he goes into the, and you know what I mean? When he's about to kill him, he convinces him to fucking become fucking Weapon X. Goes into the fucking bath and comes out, and the fucking climax is him fucking fighting Sabretooth. Yeah, I, that's the, I think we need to cut back on, these confrontations between Sabretooth and Wolvie went by the third fight. There was nothing visually different by it. Like it was the same mm-hmm. thing. I, I, I think that's a really uh, neat idea in terms of format. Uh, now, Christian, you, your major flaw was the character striker. So you, you're saying that he was sort of undefined. You couldn't, uh, you, 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 well, he was just weird, or not weird. I mean, I like the actor, actually. He plays a good kind of commanding yeah. presence, but it's like, someone explain to me what the rationale was for giving Wolverine the adamantium when really they had him locked up in that freaking fish tank and the really only building block piece he needed was the freaking, his healing factor or something yeah. like that. Like, why yeah, make him the just ultimate said, weapon? He could have just said, can we get a blood sample? Sure. Okay. Uh, thanks, Wolverine. Kill yeah, him. I know. No, no. He has to go through this whole contrived friggin' thing. Oh, you're going to fight friggin' Victor or whatever. and give him. It makes him the ultimate weapon. He essentially created his own demise. I don't understand yeah, that. Yeah, it's sort of a contradiction because they try to explain it like we were trying to find, to see if this process was possible. Right. But you're, but then you're equipping your, your, your ultimate enemy who you've been screwing over for, for since the start by placing some girlfriend as a patsy. Like, yeah. so like, if this experiment works, that's awesome, but then we're totally fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It would have really made more think sense. that through. <laughs> it would have made more sense if they gave it to him earlier in the movie or earlier in life where they're like, he's part of the team. Let's make him as strong as possible. Let's give him this adamantium. However, I do like the fact that he kind of tries to screw him over, and and that could be where Wolverine leaves the team because Stryker puts him under, gives him the adamantium, and then says, uh, erases memory. Well, you know and what? That's, Wolverine hears that. Well, you know what? Because there's nothing to say that Wolverine has to lose his memory right when he gets turned into Wolverine, you know, and for with sure. adamantium. He, he could go back to the team and work for fucking two years, three years, you know what I mean, with the claws, and then some other thing caused him to get shot, right? Like, they, they could, the, the movie could start with him being put into the, the adamantium bath or whatever. I, I think that's a great idea because he can lose his memory with the adamantium. They, they showed that in the climax. 
So that, that can still happen as he's gunning for striker and saber tooth. I, I think that's a great idea that he maybe gets the, uh, the, the upgrade, if you will, earlier in the process before he needs to start seeking revenge. Because to Christian's point, it really doesn't make a lot of sense for striker to do that. Now, Christian, you, do you still think, uh, you're still buying those striker as the big bad though? Yeah, I like him as a big bat, but I also think, just to add another point, I also think he should eliminate his whole entire plan as the father of a mutant using other mutants to create the ultimate mutant to kill mutants. Yeah. Like, just eliminate that altogether. It just doesn't that's, make any fucking yeah, that, sense. Yeah, that's a bit messy, but it's it's better for him to be trying to create the ultimate mutant, and maybe in his eyes it's Wolverine here, and he's trying to create the ultimate mutant to help him during his you know, maybe off the off the charts government things where he's helping. Yeah, himself. but you know, well, in his quest well, to, well, I mean, hold to, on though. But, I mean, this is continuity, right? They're trying to stick to the same character that they've already got in the other uh, X Men movies. Yeah, he could have done that later but, in life, maybe. Well, I know, but no. Th- th- I think the idea of having the kid in there and as motivation is that's actually needed. That's continuity. This character later on has a huge fucking cause, almost the end of the world because of you know what he's doing with his kids. So I think that. Makes sense. I don't think the way they brought the kid in this time, and maybe what he did to do it, isn't the best way. Maybe he should be, you know, taking uh, the the healing power just to try and heal his fucking kid. You know what I mean? And maybe to, just to get rid of the X gene or something. But my point is, is that by if you look at comic book history, if by making Ryan Reynolds' character this fucking super mutant, you're eliminating the possibility of there being the Deadpool character or, or a Deadpool movie or you know Deadpool character in general. Well. The, the, there is talks when I when reading up on this movie that they're still going to do uh, a spinoff of Deadpool. Apparently, it's slated for 2013. Now, let's get into this because uh, this was a, a lot of the big talks. Some people uh, loved this. I hated Deadpool. I thought that the end, the the concept of him having uh you know everybody's powers like he is the absorbing man or whatever you want to call it uh parasite if you will i thought he visually looked terrible i thought i i mean him shooting cyclops beams and having the adamantium all this i hated that i would get rid of that entire plot point Okay, yeah. so sorry, sorry though. For those of us who know nothing about Deadpool the character, could you tell us how this character appears in the comic books? Because I know I knew nothing, and I didn't like it either. But I didn't know how you know accurate it was to who he is. No, well, from what I understand, and I, again, this is near the kind of like a, a gap in my X Men knowledge. But Deadpool uh, was part of the Weapon X team, and he received some kind of medical treatment that he almost had basically the healing powers equal, if not more, to Wolverine. But somehow it made him physically so ugly that that's why he wears the mask all the time. Yes, that's he. His only real thing is the healing factor. So that plays in Downs or Andrew, whoever said that that. Why doesn't Stryker just try to leech the healing factor from Wolvie to save his son? Test it on Deadpool, and there you go. Why he all of a sudden needs to make him into the fucking composite m- m- mutant is beyond me. Like that, I just thought that yeah, was. There's already a lame fucking X Men character who's called who does that already called Mimic for crying out loud. Who knew when was the last time that guy was in a comic? Well, that's what I mean. It's a blend of Mimic and that. I mean, they just wanted to blow their load with CGI and have a big climactic battle on top of some giant cylindrical fucking uh, tower. And I have to make a note here. 
Okay, at the end of the film, they Wolverine cuts off Deadpool's head as he's shooting the Cy- Cyclops eye beams. Now the head falls down and shoots this cylindrical thing, and it keeps spinning and, he's, and it cuts down like it's going down a drain. Did you got like? Did you yeah, notice? No, it's it, cutting. It's cutting in a perfect spiral all the way down. Perfect spiral all the way down. It's absolutely impossible for that to have probably happened. But it just. But I mean, why am I even trying to find logic in this at this no, point? The, the, the real logic you're probably <laughs> looking for is why the fuck is Wolverine deciding to climb on the top of the edge of a nuclear reactor yeah. to fucking start a fight for Christ's sake? Or, or, or like, and, and even like after after the fucking Cyclops headless wonder slices a thing. They're still standing around for like a minute or two on on this thing until they decide to jump or whatever, right? Like I'm like, how solid is this thing? It's being sliced up by lasers, and they're still standing around, you know, chit chatting. Yeah, it's just yeah that that's a complete mess. Now, guys, but are you with me in the sense that do we feel Deadpool should stay in the film and be reinterpreted or get yeah. rid of him entirely? I like Ryan Reynolds' character at the beginning of the movie, and you like that Deadpool, the smart ass, constantly talking but really, really good fighter. Um, like you're saying, D, I think uh, a combination of what you and Down said, if you took um, Stryker and, you know, do that, say, I, I want to get Wolverine's power, I, I think it'll save my son, I don't want to risk it on my son, let's try it on this Deadpool guy who won't shut up, and it mutilates his face, okay, this isn't working, it's not going to work for my son yet, and, well, I've made Deadpool this, Blah, blah, blah. So now you've got Deadpool created, but he's not some stupid mimic character. And, um, you know, Stryker's kind of worked as whatever. I think that kind of works. And then, you know, but I think you need to put in something. Look, why does Victor go bad? Like, why does Victor go so bad? You know, he leaves when uh, their explanation in the movie is when Wolverine left the team, he just couldn't take it and he started killing everybody. I don't think they do a very good job of explaining that, and I think yeah. you need to do that to create your climax. Um, so then he is killing Wolverine's girlfriend, and they have a reason to fight. Yeah, I think what they needed to probably try to do here is that Creed should have been on the other side of the spectrum, that he is completely unsympathetic to uh, the humankind, if you will. And, and Wolverine could have maybe showed some signs to, you know, uh, wanting to help out humans and Victor, sort of that classic uh, Magneto, Professor Xavier line in the sand. They did not do a good job of that at all. And, and we, we've, we've talked about this is that he needs, uh, Sabretooth needs better motivation for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So we, uh, well, we, we, sorry, just before we go on, I mean, can we, cause I, I think, I'm not so sure we keep Deadpool because I think part of the problem here again is you've got you got too many uh, top guys. You got Deadpool, you got fucking Sabretooth, and you got fucking General, you know, Schwarzkopf there, you know, <laughs> Striker. That, that's that's too many uh, top guys. You can't have all these guys at the top vying for Wolverine's, uh, you know, badass fighting attention. That's well, you know what they could do is if they followed some of the smart movie uh superhero movie making is Deadpool could have been seated at for future movies or a potential spin-off like what we've talked about. Deadpool could have just been shown locked up in a cage going it was successful 
And maybe Wolvie never fought him. Like maybe yeah. that the, that the yeah. transfer of the healing factor was given to one of the other Weapon X who's been kind of, uh, muted, if you will, and kept in sort of enslavement. Yeah, yeah. Lo and behold, we didn't know. Look, it did work. They got to spin Deadpool out like some kind of anti-hero because right now in the world of Marvel Comics, he's essentially kind of well, uh, the new Punisher, he's a very, very popular character. And, yeah. and, and I, I agree to Andrew Bloom's point. Like, the, the smart-ass, wisecracking guy with fast swords, that guy was likable. So if you could then turn that guy into some sort of freak but still make him likable, like, you know, if his face is scarred, you know, if he has a little fucking – he's writing funny shit, you know what I mean, but still like a, a badass assassin, something like that, that's the type of character I think that the average person in the comic book is probably, you know, responding mm-hmm. to. Not some fucking freak-ass – Eyeballs, sewed up mouth, fucking no. crazy. He needs to talk. He needs to be able to talk. First of all, you cannot have a movie without him talking. I think yeah, they, they could... sewed up the best part of that character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Funny, they, but they could close with you know, like you're saying, have him locked in a cage, stabbing himself in the arm and watching it heal. Yeah, and, and it's like he's enough. in solitary confinement. That's the way to shut him up, and then maybe he gets he gets out at the end. Like that's. It, it could just be a note that, yes, you know what? Stryker has successfully passed on powers now, and then Wolvie fu- uh, only has to deal with Sabretooth and Stryker, and that seeds Deadpool for other movies. I, I okay, like so that. I think that's a much better idea. Okay, so we've complained uh, a little bit. We've talked about some of the casting. I think a lot of what we've talked about, and Andrew and I mentioned this, uh, was the screenplay. It's a bit of a mess, and it's credited to... Two gentlemen. It's David Beninoff and Skip Woods. Now, get a load of this. David Beninoff uh, worked on Troy, the movie, but was oh, is God. but before you go, oh God, he is the co-creator and writer of the TV series Game of Thrones. Oh, well, uh, holy shit! So now uh, Beninoff goes on record saying he uh, uh, did his first script at a more uh, definitely more darker and a more brutal story with an R rating. Hugh Jackman, who's also a producer of this movie, stepped in and did not see the need for an R-rated Wolverine movie and asked for it to be toned down to a PG-13. That's Skip terrible. Woods was brought in to rewrite the movie. This is a guy that worked on Hitman, The A-Team, and Hugh Jackman's Swordfish. He's also apparently writing Die Hard 5. But oh, no. so these two guys, uh, I think Beninoff may have been kind of leaning towards the movie that we are describing, a little bit more darker, hard edge, that Wolverine uh, from classic Wolverine stories. And someone else, maybe also because of Jackman, came in and watered this son bitch down. Um, now, one of the things that we mentioned uh, as well was the directing. How do we think this worked out? This is a guy, the director of this film was Gavin Hood. His resume reads as follows. He uh, did a movie called Rendition and a movie called Sotsai in 1995 and did a whole bunch of TV movies. Uh, What did we think of the directing of this film, Christian? Uh I mean, there's 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 a lot of cliche stuff that he he's got in there. I mean, he's got the uh, the expo walk away, which I like to you know the explosion walk away things like that. But I, 
I know you're probably gonna, guys are going to jump on me for like some of the action stuff, things like that, and the, the shots of characters or different locales. I didn't really have a problem with, honestly. I think no, you, I think if, if the story was better, if you limit some of the, all the bullshit we've already talked about, and he shot it the same way, I still think it would be a decent-looking movie. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that, because I think some of the action sequences were appropriately comic booky. I think the one I'm thinking in particular, even though it is way over the top and outrageous, is that motorbike scene where he launches himself in the air and goes into the <laughs> helicopter. That is oh ripped God. out of a... I thought that a, was neat. Standing yeah. in front of the friggin' nose and the blades, he's holding his, his, his claws up, the blades cut themselves, and they go, I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah. It is a yeah. bit cartoony. So, Andrew, uh, what, what do you think? How do you think? Are you in Christian's camp? Are you like, this guy's a hack? Well... I would like to you you'd like to hang um hang a director when it comes to a bad movie but sometimes I think it's not always completely in their control. This uh like we've said is the screenplay's fault. This guy does an okay uh action sequence. He does half decent shooting stuff like that and some of it is actually pretty good. Um, and like you're saying, that scene, although way over the top, is kind of cool when Wolverine's driving the, the motorcycle and digs his claws into the ground to help him stop faster and things like that. That is cut from a comic book, like that over-the-top stuff. There is a lot of garbage in this movie, but I don't necessarily blame this guy. Could, um, I don't know, Brian Singer, could he have done a better job? Yes. But not not I can't hang my hat on saying, it's the director's fault, get rid of him. So Downs, what are you? How are you weighing in on Mr. Gavin Hood as director? Yeah, I guess we're going to have to give this guy a bit of a pass, I suppose. You know, it's not totally his fault, I guess. You know, uh, visually, you know, I, he probably had a good DP, you know, because it looks it looks right. You know, all that stuff back in the day, and the you know the bone claws, you know, the the look of the movie is appropriate. So, um, you know, whether that goes to him, you know, he was definitely responsible somewhat for the story, but I, I have a feeling that this is a guy who was probably hired to do a job and the studio and maybe guys like Hugh Jackman and, and maybe even Marvel had too many fingers in the, in the pie. So I guess we'd probably let this guy keep his job maybe if, if the right story and maybe the right, uh, atomic geeks were in control of the flick. Well, it's interesting. Bloom and, uh, Downs have set up this next point. Uh, Gavin Hood was recommended by producer star Hugh Jackman so that that he had his fingers way in this uh, Jackman that's for sure but get a load of this Andrew said Brian Singer would have done a better job well Brian Singer had expressed interest in making this movie along with a few other fellas Uh, Len Wiseman he did a few of the underworlds and he also directed uh, the the newest Die Hard which was Live Free or Die Hard I believe it was with uh, Shia LaBeouf, everyone's favorite Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf wasn't in that one. The Die Hard late was Die Hard. You're thinking of Indiana Jones. He was in the Die Hard, wasn't he? No, it's it, uh, it's that. Oh, you're thinking of that other kid that was in that a uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice movie with. Oh no, no, you're talking about what is that actor's name? He was he mm-hmm. dated Drew Barrymore. That's who you're talking about. The guy, the, Shia, that's that. Shia Shriver. Tom Green. No, dude. The uh, the the guy's a kind of a comedian. He's got uh, like oh yeah, there. Yeah, is he guy from the Mac commercial? Yes, Apple? I'm a PC. You're a Mac. Yes. Mac yeah, kid. right. Sorry, I thought that was LaBeouf. Right. No, Sorry. 
But I'm sorry, we're not doing this team. But the guy from PC and a Mac, he's the Mac, and Daisy. he's the guy in the movie. Uh, the Die Hard movie, the latest one. Justin Long. Justin Long. Thank there you, you go. Sorry, Justin. Cry yourself to sleep tonight, buddy. Sorry, Justin LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> Always bringing information, the Atomic Geeks. Uh, uh, the, also, some of the other directors that were uh, they're in consideration... Brett Ratner, everyone's favorite, wanted he wanted to be uh, throw his uh, hand into this because he also directed the third X Men film. And finally, Zack Snyder was under consideration, but all of these guys were not. They didn't move forward with because Hugh Jackman wanted Gavin Hood. See, this but, is the problem. Why? Why does the main character or, or uh, you know, the actor who has top billing? Why do they have to give these fuckers producer rights? Just because, be an actor. And, and that's the fucking problem is that, I mean, we can all sit around here on a fucking podcast and say, here's what you should do and make a great fucking movie. And that, unfortunately, that's not the way the movie business is. It has to do with, you know, these guys who are, have bit, played the character three times in a movie now, and they make, they're going to make another movie, and they're going to suck his dick and do whatever he wants so that the fucking movie gets made, and who gives a fuck how good the fucking film is. Uh, well, that is, you're probably right on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So how did we feel about Hugh Jackman? Because we've mentioned him now. That's the perfect segue. He's a producer. He's obviously, he. I mean, he was perfect as Wolverine in the X-Men movies. How did we, uh, did we think he nailed it again here? Is he a bit sleepwalking through it? Uh, Andrew, how did, like, are, are you still loving Jackman as um, Wolverine? You know what? I think he, I think he did a pretty good job because, to me, he is Wolverine. He looks like Wolverine, and but but like you said, this allows him to kind of play it up a little bit. And there are a couple scenes in it where he does the dumbest stances. Like it looks like he's almost a fucking ballerina with muscles. Like he's doing these weird with his arms out, all weird, and it's a little bit off. But I I don't blame Jackman as much as I kind of blame the director for. Because Jackman doesn't know what he looks like. He doesn't know he looks stupid doing that. And the, the screaming at the sky and things like that. He's told to do that stuff. So, I mean, you can't, what do you, can you do? It's Wolverine. He's Wolverine. I, I think I know what, I think I know what scene you're talking about. I hated, uh, the scene where he ran down, uh, and with his claws on sheep and kind of cut open the cages to all those prison doors. That was bad. <laughs> like a god. I actually laughed. I'm like, you look like a Gaylord doing that right yep. now. Hello, <laughs> you're free. Yeah, and like, there's Wolfrey going, all right, the locks are at a certain height. You know, I'm going to make this easy. I'm just going to extend my claws and just run like a friggin' flaming homo and open them all at once. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, what? if I, I got a lot of locks to undo, so I'm just going to do it all at once. <laughs> but like, what, he he's like bent over like he's in a goddamn like, football tackle somebody and he's running low it's like he should have been snapping his fingers he's like, do, no he's doing the west side story fight at the beginning where exactly yeah, yeah he can't get that broadway out of him for christ's sakes uh christian what, what like are, are you still i mean did hugh jackman do it for you in this uh with was it yeah, as, as the x-men role yeah i i, I, I he did a he did a, you know, a fine job i mean it was a good as the x-men i don't know but i mean i don't remember i don't re recall watching this woman going like fuck it ain't wolverine this time around for crying out loud i mean he seemed to do a pretty serviceable job to me uh downs are you on board with that yeah you know i think it's hard to not imagine him as wolverine at this point and because he was playing wolverine i think you go, he did a passable job. Hearing how much control he had in the movie, now, I 
am disappointed. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it's not the same Wolverine that we see in the beginning. You know what I mean? And and specifically in X Men Two, when he when they are fucking attacking the uh, mansion and he is fucking killing guys left and right. And I'll, and because I, I wanted to say this earlier, you know, you can do a PG thirteen and still have a guy look scary. And this he doesn't really come off scary and on edge in this movie. And I think that a lot of that has to do with behind the scenes what happened. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he he doesn't look like Wolverine when he acts. But I gotta, I don't know, I, I wanna kinda give him a little bit of the fucking, especially since you've told us about what happened behind the scenes. He brought the director in. He's the one who said fucking tone it down. You know, I, I think he takes some fucking responsibility in this shit. Well, you know, my, my thing is too, is he, he is Wolverine. I mean, he, he looks the part. He was fantastic in those X-Men movies. But I, while I was watching it on this second uh, time for the purpose of this podcast, I thought to myself, what if someone did not read the comic books and had never watched the X-Men movies and they decided to watch this movie. How much information and character information did we really get about Wolvie? Because he is honestly really quite pissed off. How many scenes were there of Wolverine grabbing, grabbing someone by the lapels and slamming them up against the wall? I think that's how he talked to everybody in this movie. Give me a burger and fries, you son of a bitch. He did that to everyone but the girl, I think. I thought about doing that to the girl, too. Hey, where are the Rice Krispies? God damn it! I'm sure he did it to the girl. They just didn't show up because it was PG-13. That is true. In the R-rated script, he did that. And a lot worse. And a lot worse. And then bent her over and... The rest of this is NC. Boner, boner, boner. I got to get my boner boner up for Jig. Boner, boner. Okay, so guys. Are you all adamantium? Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So so what did we like about this? We've touched on a few of it, uh, a few of the things. Uh, Bloom, why don't you give me one of the scenes or moments that you're like, that worked. That character portrayal was right uh, outside of Wolverine or just scenes that was like, that needs to stay. Here's a small a small bit. I like the chemistry between him and the girl. Um cuz she was cute. And I thought their their scenes together were pretty good. I know it's a funny thing to pick out of a Wolverine film. And there were things that I liked that I think should stay but could be done better. I like the beginning. I like his the origin story of of him and killing uh, eventually like actually killing his own father and getting his powers he's a sickly little kid before that things like that that's pretty good i think they need to extend it and have a little bit more instead of rushing through it and like christian said and on downs's point the beginning part where it shows them that him and um uh, his brother fighting through three or four or five different wars that's pretty good just not done as well as it could have been they rush through it so much and I understand it's like opening credits type of stuff and you're just cutting through it. But I think that that's pretty decent. I like the, I like the beginning story. I, I for one thought the opening credits was one of the best parts of the whole fucking movie. I really yeah. enjoyed that sequence showing them in all of like the Civil War, World War One, Vietnam, et cetera. I, I, and I like that being played over the, uh, over the credits. But that just was what that cut out the, cut out the back to back. Like that's yeah. it. There's a there's a little bit there's a little bit cheesy and like I, I like the fact that you know they showed them World War One they're wearing the Canadian Army hats or something it looked like and you know they're they're 
it was it was done very well. Once again, they had to throw in uh, Sabretooth running on all fours, uh, like Christian Hayden. It does look a bit funny, but I yeah, those are those are things that I would keep. I think I keep the girl because the chemistry was good, and the scenes with her were actually weren't that bad, and and that opening. So, uh, Christian, what are you thinking? Are you uh, what what was some of the stuff that you were like that needs to stay? That really worked. Really, I, I enjoy this movie quite a bit for the, the very first half, right basically up to the point where the whole, you know, murdering of the girlfriend happens. You know, I liked the, the opening credits. I liked the uh, the ex-team uh, antics and so on, da-da-da-da. It's just keep all that in, except, you know, when you get to the part with a girl, make sure that she's eviscerated and not there's no mystery that fact that she's dead, but please do it as tastefully as possible, you know? And then after that, just needs to be the whole thing. Once he gets to that friggin' uh, his adamantium and he meets those kindly people in the barn that, that just get friggin' murdered, which is horrible. Um, I know, right? Oh, it's so bad. I was watching with my wife. She goes, oh, like as the, as the old woman, here's breakfast and a bullet right through the chest. <laughs> she goes, oh, my God. She goes, I forgot about this part. I said, yeah, I forgot to warn you. After that, spill the eggs. That's right. <laughs> Start with the them. pancakes. Cold. <laughs> um, talk about cliches. I was like, "Oh my god, here we go." These two old people are getting fucking killed. Like, I'm sure I, I can't think of. It. I know there's another movie or two for sure. Uh, another that, you know, eighteen, has, huh? <laughs> another eighteen movies. Yeah, that, 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 that has the, the guy hanging out with the older, the, the very lovely, nice people who just want <laughs> to help out a stranger who runs nude into their barn. I know. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were pretty like open. <laughs> To like letting this crazy man, nude man, hiding out in their barn. All of a sudden, they're fitting him with their son's clothes and serving him dinner. Uh, <laughs> little, explain that a bit more. Yeah, that was a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but the apparently, according to the the movie trivia, those two characters, the the Ma and Pa Kent like characters, you could almost say, uh, were named after. The two main characters from the team of Alpha Flight. Really? I, yeah. I kind of almost. My wife mentioned if she made a good point when Your she saw them driving they the were truck. From Alpha Flight? Uh-huh. No, yes, yeah, she because she loves Alpha Flight. But uh, no, <laughs> she actually her thought her thought when I, I thought the exact same thing was that it, she it reminded her of Ma and Pa Kent in their truck, right? And then they basically discovered this nude superhero in their friggin' homeland, I, and then they just. Bring them back to life. So to that speak. had to have been intentional because I, totally. I felt that as well. Like, uh, there, it, it seemed very Superman esque. So, uh, Downs, what about you? What's the what, what are the scenes or characters that you're like that shit worked? Um, you know, I, I like the idea of the um, the mutant team. As I said before, I think anybody who tunes into this type of movie, you know, when all of a sudden, you know, they go to do the the job, and you know. Buddies, I mean, like the the Deadpool with this, you know, with a smart uh, ass, and then he walks in and he's, you know, literally defending himself with these swords. That was fucking awesome. Buddy with the two guns. I mean, I, I liked all that. I thought the, you know, the, uh, any anyone any of these movies you want to see, I like to see more mutants with more fucking powers, and that was that's a good way to do it. So I like that stuff. Okay, so I think we've just about fixed this broken fucking movie. So. Here is the Atomic Geeks redo of X-Men Origins Wolverine. But before I say that, I, that just makes me think, 
what the hell is with that title? That is, is Wolverine not a popular enough character? There's three movies that have preceded this. Can we not just call this movie fucking Wolverine? Does it have to be called X-Men Origins? Well, I think you'd lose the PG-13 with fucking Wolverine as the title. But if you yeah. just made it Wolverine, it would probably, yeah. No, but I, mean, I, I, I think the idea here was is that there would be an X-Men Origins Magneto movie. You know what I mean? And I uh, think the, that's the plan. Yeah, the X-Men Origins was the franchise. Yeah, well, I still think just that's a bit lame. For the purpose of this, here's our redo of the Wolverine movie. So we're definitely going to keep in uh, showing Logan's background as a child, maybe pre-credits. Uh, you know, also flashing back to some moments through his long, illustrious career throughout some of the wars. We don't mind that. Definitely show the Weapon X team. Great, great stuff. But when when we get down to the nuts and bolts of this, this is a Kill Bill-style revenge film the girlfriend that wolvie is with keep her but when she dies she needs to stay dead this needs to be the impetus and motivation for wolverine to gain revenge on striker and ultimately Sabretooth. he needs to fight his way through some of his former teammates uh, we also need to uh, get rid of the way the adamantium storyline was put in this, where Wolverine got it halfway through in some sort of hackneyed reason from Stryker. Show that Wolvie gets this adamantium earlier in his Weapon X team days, uh, to so you get rid of that contradiction of Stryker basically equipping his arch nemesis. Uh, Way too many characters in this one, for sure. Though we want uh, and we need his Weapon X cohorts, Remy LeBeau and Gambit, there's no need for him to be in this thing. Get rid of that. Definitely, we're going to give, definitely maybe keep uh, Deadpool in it, but get rid of this mimic idea where this striker is basically building a super mutant. If we, for story purposes... Stryker can try to pass on the healing factor to Deadpool. Deadpool is successful. Let's keep him as a minor, uh, a smaller part and seed him for either a Wolverine 2 or Deadpool's own movie. Uh, as well, let, we will give the pass on Gavin Hood as a director. He's serviceable. He has that sort of comic booky action. But guys, play down these goddamn tropes. None of this fucking screaming at the moon and walking away from explosions. Uh, the, this writing team is fired. This screenplay is terrible. We say hire Chris Claremont or Frank Miller to write this fucking movie. Uh, and finally, Sabretooth is a very crucial element to a Wolverine movie. It's necessary. But he should ultimately be the big bad. We need to explain his motivation for the split between him and Wolverine much better and limit it to one fight. It should be the big boss fight at the end. We don't need to see them run at each other and fight three or four times throughout the movie. And for producer Christian Nielsen, there will be no goddamn dog running by (laughs) Sabretooth. So, guys, that is are going to do it for our redo of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Those are always fun to do. Look for us to do a few more of those in the future. All right. So before we wrap up here, 
Let's move on to our Atomic Picks. Atomic Picks. Andrew Bloom. Okay. Uh, this week for me, uh, I just won Atomic Pick, and it is a, uh app I got for my iPhone because I'm super cool. Uh, it's a ga- little game called Flick Golf by Full Fat. Uh, I took Christian's advice, and I said, I'm going to pay 99 cents for this game, and it's not one of those microeconomic or micro whatever the hell you want to call it games that's constantly trying to jab you in the wallet. It is just, as it sounds, a small golf game that you flick the ball and try and get it in the hole. It's more of a target shooting type of thing, um, but it's quite enjoyable and addictive. Uh, I've been playing it for probably two weeks now, and I kind of like it. And uh, I would suggest, if you like uh, games, to get it. Yay! Mike Downs. Okay, so a couple quick things to say. First up, not really Atomic Pick, but I had to talk about it. Uh, I have recently joined the community of bikers. Um, after long uh, desires and dreams, I bought myself a motorcycle, and I'm, I'm loving driving around on my bike and using my air quotes here. To quote Mike DiGiovanni, I'm a biker. I don't really like to call myself that because I've only run out a couple times, so I'm not really a biker yet. But I love it. If you've been out there ever thought about maybe getting a motorcycle license or whatever, I encourage you to do it. It's totally awesome, and go for it. My actual atomic pick, though, is for uh, the new Torchwood Miracle Day, which just started this week. Uh, in Canada, it's airing on space. Uh, it started July 9th. But I also wanted to point out that I was actually invited to get a sneak peek of this by uh, the BBC and uh, Canadian Globe uh Bell Globe Media, I guess, is who the, uh, through the invite came, but I thought it was very cool. They sent us a link to check out Torchwood and screen it a week before it came out, which was very cool. I didn't get to see all of it due to my move, so I've, I've caught some of it, and I'm actually going to have to go and find some other way to uh, watch the rest of the first episode, but huge fan of Torchwood. Thank you very much for the uh, chance to check it out early. If I wasn't moving, I would have watched more of it, but if you're a fan of Torchwood and Doctor Who, you should check it out. Torchwood Miracle Day, episode one, just ran on July 9th. Chris, Jim. A couple of things to mention for my Atomic Picks this week. Uh, First off, for all those interested in those digital comics, because let me tell you, I sure am, always keep your eyes out on the blog, specifically the Comicsology blog. Um, By the time of this uh, recording or the time you hear this recording, the offer may be over, but uh, 633 pages, 27 issues, of the fantastic freaking comic book Planetary for $25. That's a great fucking deal, and that's a very big and good step in the direction I think that digital comics should be going. You want all the issues? Here's a, you know, a base price, and you can pay for all of them at once. Awesome, great way to do it. I encourage anyone to support that by buying those comic books. If you haven't bought them or read them before, you definitely should. Uh, my second atomic pick this week is I got to get out to the movie theater. Uh, took my uh, young son to the theater for the first time, and of course, what did we see? We saw Cars 2. Uh, needless to say, it is a bit of a departure from the original movie. Uh, I don't give a shit what anybody says about this freaking franchise. I like it a lot. My boy enjoyed it a lot. Maybe a bit more violent than I expected, but uh, what are you going to do? A lot of fun. Cars 2. Bring your kids. Blah, blah, blah. Good stuff. All right. And a, a few uh, atomic picks for me. First off, True Blood is back, and it is weirder and crazier than ever. I'm glad that this is back. I uh, just finished watching episode three. Uh, it's currently on HBO. 
really good stuff. Also, a quick plug for my new favorite podcast. This is one that I was recommended to me by our very own Christian Nielsen, and it is called The Retroist. This thing is fantastic. I believe Christian's talked about it on this show before. It's a very nostalgic and in-depth look back at some of our favorite geeky subjects. Each episode is devoted to one subject, and man, does he go in-depth on these things. Uh, topics include the board game Clue, uh, Thundar the Barbarian. I just listened to one which was about the Star Wars droids cartoon. He gets into uh, certain video games. Uh, the newest episode is about John Candy. I, I really admire the detail and craft that goes into these episodes. They're only about 30 minutes long, so you can plow through these things. Really, really cool stuff. If you are a, a fan of podcasts, and definitely if you're a children, a child of the 80s, you might want to check out The Retroist. And finally, my last atomic pick is for a comic book. And this is a new one called Witch Doctor. And this is uh, from Image Comics and the Skybound imprint. That's by Invincible and Walking Dead creator uh, Robert Kirkman. He's found Brandon Seifert, I think I'm pronouncing that guy's name right, new comic called Witch Doctor. And this is a mystic character, but Doctor Fate and Doctor Strange, this is not. This The way I can describe this as is imagine if you took the TV series House and then took the TV series Fringe, and you mixed in Hellblazer, you might kind of get Witch Doctor. This is the very procedural uh, comic book storytelling about dealing with the occult and paranormal. This is a very eccentric doctor who deals with demon possessions and the other likes, and the way that he solves these, you've got to read it to believe it. The artwork really reminds me of some of that 1980s, 90s Vertigo style. Uh, if you read early Hellblazers, Swamp Thing, even Sandman, it's got that sort of look to it. It's got that John Total Bone uh, sort of artwork style to it. Really fresh and different take on the on mystic comic books. It's called Witch Doctor. It's available on Comixology. Issue 1 is available now through Image Comics, at Comixology, and comic shops everywhere. So that's going to do it for The Atomic Geeks, episode 121. Uh, the Atomic Geeks can be found on all the social network. First and foremost, Google+. Plus. Uh, well, <laughs> as of now. As of Get maybe, your circles. <laughs> maybe starting tomorrow we'll be on that. But no, right as of right now, you can find us on Facebook, uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter. You, uh, I run the Atomic Geeks account. Uh, you can follow Downs at Atomic Geek Downs, you, Atomic Geek Bloom, and Hunkburger is Christian. We have got our own website, www.theatomicgeeks.com. We also uh, have the forums there, so check that out. And if you listen to our show via iTunes, you should leave us a review because you'd be as cool as these three fellas that just updated their iTunes reviews in Canada, Jeff Prime, Gundama, and old school fan question mark. Guys, thanks for uh, updating your iTunes reviews. Hell, we love some updates. I even like reboots. What the hell? But leave us some new iTunes review. We really quite enjoy that. 
Mike Downs is going to be hosting next week's episode. I have no idea what he's going to talk about. I have no idea what Andrew's going to say. I have no clue what Christian's going to say, but I'm sure I will say this. The Atomic Geeks, out. You've just listened to another episode of The Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. Oh, aren't you fucking clever? Well, what are we going to say? I don't get it. I spun, <laughs> how I spun that together? I'm going to say good. some things with my voice. And the high and the thing. And the A and the oil.